0: How can we walk with Jesus in every part of life? We may not think of Psalms as the book of the Bible about discipleship, but in reality, it is one of the most instructive books in the Bible to help us follow Jesus in all areas of life. Hi, I'm Yvonne Pryn with Bible805, where you learn to know, trust, and apply the Bible. You'll see how Psalms will help us make discipleship practical in our lesson today entitled, Psalms, how to walk with Jesus in every part of life. And our plan of reading the Bible in chronological order, this is why we will be reading a psalm every other day. We're doing this not only because the individual psalms aren't chronological in the same way that the historical and prophetic books are, but if you allow the content of them to permeate your life, they will help you grow tremendously as a disciple of Jesus. Now, here is Dallas Willard's description of what a disciple is. We need to know what the goal is that we're going towards. And here's what he says. We need to be clear in our heads about what, a dis- what discipleship is. My definition. A disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do a disciple is not a person who has things under control or knows a lot of things. Disciples simply are people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. I love this where he says people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. Psalms will help us see what that means as they show us how God's people interact with Him in many areas of life. In fact, all areas of life, including some that we probably don't think that God cares about. Now let me give you a little bit of background on them before we get into the content. Out of 150 Psalms, David wrote the most. He wrote 73 of them. Moses wrote one, one or two were by Solomon, one was by Heman, One was by Ethan, 12 were by ASAP, 10 were by the descendants of Korah, and many others we just don't know for certain, although there's evidence for some, such as that Ezra may have written Psalm 119. The time span really goes throughout all the written history of the Bible. The earliest one is from Moses, where he says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God and most likely one of the last ones is Psalm 137 where it says by the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion and of course by its content it implies that it was written after the Babylonian captivity. Now most of them were written and most often used in temple worship during the time of the Israelite Kingdom specifically when it was united under David and they continued to be used in temple worship in Judah and in Israel even after they split, and it continues really to today in their use in both Jewish and Christian churches. Now how did they come together? Most likely an early collection was put together by David and later refined by others. We see in Chronicles especially that the later part of David's life was spent making detailed preparations for the temple and a large part of that were assignments and detailed instructions on the music, the singers, and the instruments. Compiling the Psalms would have been part of that. Now one little thing to note about David. I think this is really interesting when you do the chronology. His sin was Bathsheba would have happened when he was in his late 40s early 50s. He died at age 70. Now right after his sin, remember he confessed it, he was forgiven, he suffered for it, but so often we don't talk about his life as if anything happened after that, but his most important work he did in the 20-some years that remained of his life in putting together all of the resources and the instructions for the temple. Chronicles tells us all about this. And I do believe that, and well, he talks about working on the music and stuff, that he took probably what he'd written earlier in the midst of trials and battles and edited it for temple use. When you read the Psalms and you keep that in mind, you see, he'll say, I wrote this when I was in the cave after, you know, when Saul was chasing me. And this was written when this happened, or this was written when that happened. And it really is a wonderful, I think, challenge for those of us who are a little bit older, maybe, and we realize that we can take what God's taught us earlier, edit it, use it, share it with those that come after us. Now, after David, and let's talk about how they then came into the form they are today. Some compilations may have been made in the intervening years by Hezekiah or Josiah, during their times of revival. And we know several writers wrote after David, so um, he appointed different families of singers, but we know different ones continued to write psalms. Most likely, though, the complete collection and the order that we have them in today was compiled by Ezra and his associates after the return from the exile in Babylon. This was the same time when Chronicles was written and the Jewish scriptures were solidified. Now, overall, What are they and how are they divided? Overall, their prayers and hymns addressed to God. They were used in both corporate and private worship and they continue to be used that way in Israel and of course in the Christian church today. However, Many are written by individuals retelling their experience in their walk in their living with God. These personal recollections of people interacting with God is what helps us follow God in every part of our lives. Helps us be better disciples. Helps us, as um, Dallas Willard said, constantly rearrange our life to follow God. Because Psalms deal with many parts of life. We're going to look at just some of them. We're going to look at psalms of praise, salvation history, lament, and imprecatory psalms. These are the hard ones that call down judgment on curses on enemies, but they're all part of life. So let's look at them. I'll give examples of the specific types and then application suggestions and what we can learn from that psalm for our walk with God and growth as Jesus' disciple. Now, super important when reading and applying the Psalms. You must read the whole thing. Many of the Psalms are a progression either of praise or of an emotion from abject pain or questioning to, or fear maybe, to a confidence or trust in God. Like the book of Job, if you don't read the whole thing, you can easily misinterpret a verse, or be disappointed, or have really unrealistic expectations after you read it. So let's start in with Psalms of Praise and Worship. Psalm 100 says, On your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. Know this, God is God. God, God. He made us. We didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with a password. Thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise. Thank him. Worship Him, for God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. Now, many psalms fit into this category of praise and worship, and they're good to read or sing when you want to praise God. Now, more praise applications for your walk with God. When you don't know how to praise, when you don't know how to be thankful, read a psalm. Join in corporate praise. Remind yourself, maybe use a psalm as sort of just an inspiration and be specific about what God has done. Be thankful. This is where a thankfulness journal can be very helpful. Write down each day, what are you thankful for? Also, think about writing your own psalm of praise or thankfulness to God. Next, we'll look at Psalms of Salvation History of Israel. This is where God, in a number of places in the Psalms, instructed the writer to retell all or part of the history of Israel, and lessons learned from it. Psalm 107 is the story of how Israel sinned, and then how God delivered them, and it goes back and forth, and back and forth, how this happened again and again. And it, it starts by saying, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Some became fools through their rebellious ways, and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. Then their numbers decreased, and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction, and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things, and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord application here. Look at your history. All of us have some good, some maybe not so good, but remember, God accepts it all. Take time to evaluate the lessons of your life before God, but, super important, don't obsess or dwell on it too long. Remember, the psalm says, it goes over these things, but then it says, ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Concentrate on God's love, God's forgiveness, and go on with your life. Don't let your past define you. Don't continue to be a victim or hold resentments, or you may miss out on what God is doing right now. Then there are psalms of lament, both personal and corporate ones. Psalm 73 says, "O oh God, defend me from the charges of these merciless, deceitful men. For you are, God, my only place of refuge. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I mourn at the oppression of my enemies? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them lead me to your temple on your holy mountain, Zion. There I will go to the altar of God, my exceeding joy, and praise him with my harp. O God, my God, O my soul, why be so gloomy and discouraged? Trust in God. I shall again praise him for his wondrous help. He will make me smile again, for he is my God. The pattern here, it's honest discouragement, questions. You can tell God whatever you're thinking, whatever you're worried about, whatever sadness or cries out or whatever you have, but then it progresses to a renewed trust in God. Our application, of course, do the same. Lay it all out before God. He doesn't care if you yell and scream and holler and cry and whatever you need to do. Ask your questions, voice your fears God isn't shocked. He won't be upset with you, either by your actions or bad attitudes, and let's face it, he already knows them. But then, get with other Christians, praise, be thankful, remind yourself of the promises of God, and focus on them, not just your troubles. Now, then the Imprecatory Psalms. These are kind of interesting, but they do show us the whole range of human emotions in the Psalms. And in addition to sadness and joy, these Imprecatory Psalms mean to invoke or call down evil or curses upon a person. Here's an example of them. Now, just hang in there with me, because I'm going to explain how this works in just a minute. But in Psalm 137, 7 through 9, it says, Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you, according to what you have done. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. That's pretty brutal, isn't it? We're thinking, how can that be in the Bible? Well, here is how the book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, explains these what are called, again, Imprecatory Psalms, and I'm quoting them. It says, Through the Imprecatory Psalms, God invites us in your anger, do not sin. We must fulfill the New Testament teaching, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. By expressing our anger directly to and through God, rather than by seeking to return evil to those who have done evil to us. Imprecatory Psalms harness our anger and help us express it to God by using the same sorts of obvious, purposeful exaggeration known to us from other types of Psalms. We may honestly express our anger to God no matter how bitterly and hatefully we feel it, and let God Take care of justice against those who misuse us. The proper function of these psalms, then, is to help us not to be overcome by evil, but to free us from our anger that we might overcome evil with good. Application Take your hate and anger to God. Ask Him to deal with people. You just stay out of it. You won't be effective in most cases, and you must, you may say or do things that you'll regret. Much wisdom is needed here, but we can be assured nobody gets away with anything. So much better to let God handle it. Remember, let God take care of justice against those who misuse us, and He will. Sometimes the greatest test is just that of trust. And also the timing's in God's hands. It seems nothing happens when we want it to, but God does take care of things. As Julian of Norwich said, All will be well, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. No matter what our situation, these Psalms show us that nothing is off limits to God. You see this with the life of David. He constantly wrote psalms. And what a great contrast his life is to Saul and other kings who were often consumed with jealousy and rage and power. And by the way, none of them wrote any psalms. David did not defend himself or seek the kingdom for himself when Saul persecuted him without cause. David was totally focused on God as shown in the Psalms, during good times, bad times, times of victory, times of failure and defeat. From his youngest experiences as a shepherd, in Psalm 23, where he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The times running from Saul, where he said, The righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him out of them all to dealing with sin in Psalm 51 where he said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me. To one of the last in this section ascribed to his psalm, Psalm 71, when he reflects on his life and says, Since my youth, God, you've taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, Do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You, who have done great things, who is like you, God? though you have made me see troubles many and bitter. You will restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with a harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with a lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. David was called the man after God's own heart. And I think this is why, even though his life was filled with troubles and challenges, he always remembered God was with him in all of them. And he and the other psalm writers wrote these words as a testimony of that. Some overall applications for us. Every emotion in life, good, bad, and in between. The Psalms teach us these are part of our life lived before God. And we can share all of them with Him as we grow as His disciple. When we become a Christian, we enter into a new kind of life where God wants to touch, influence, and be a part of every corner of our lives. That is what it means to be a disciple Psalms show us how to do that. Finally, learn from your reading of the Psalms. To not be afraid of any emotion, question, or fear in your life. Don't hide them. Share freely with God. Leave judgment and the outworking in His hands. Read and think about the Psalms as you go through your days. Even after using the reading schedule, it's okay to jump around Anywhere in the book, read a psalm here, there, wherever you want to. do Do read the whole psalm. Consider journaling. Write down your own psalm. And with psalms and all else that we study, consciously strive to live your life, all your life, open before God and in a way that helps you become more and more like Jesus, your Savior. That's all for now. Please check out the notes from this lesson, related resources, and helpful links at www.bible805.com. In closing, I'm Yvonne Pran, your fellow writer, pilgrim, and teacher for Jesus. And I'd like to end with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey to a growing knowledge of God's Word and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.